Okay, grab your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 22 to 26 this morning. While you're turning there, what things have value in your life? Like, what things really get your ticker moving? You know, for some people, they're saying, oh, it's a new car. I would love a new car. Or it's a new house. A new house would be fantastic. If you're from northern Michigan, you're saying, I just would love temperatures to be above 40 and stay there. Amen? Yeah, exactly. And some people, it's money. I want more money. I need more money. Well, you know, kind of like Jack Whitaker, who won the Powerball jackpot in 2002 for, you ready for this? $314 million. He decided he would get the lump sum payment for $170 million. Just get it all up front. And then after taxes, he ended up with $83 million. And I know, we're already feeling sorry for him, aren't we? $83 million in 2002. And he got that toward the end of the year. And here's what he said um, in, a, in an interview after winning the Powerball. He said uh, in this interview, he goes, the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go home and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make out three checks to three pastors for 10% of this check. That's the very first thing I'm going to do. I just wanted to put out that suggestion to you in case if any of you win the Powerball. He says, um, he's already a millionaire through his construction company. Whitaker predicted this money isn't going to change me at all. He says, it won't even phase me. I'm just going to carry on my life as normal. He says, if I can help it, it will not change a thing in my life. I'm content with my life. I'm not going to change my life much. Yet, by 2007, barely four years after what should have been the luckiest day of his life, Whitaker was a broken-down man who had already lost his granddaughter to drugs. Whitaker now had a reputation for DUIs, for frequenting strip clubs, and for getting robbed. His divorce would be finalized the next year. His daughter would die the next year. And in January 20, or 2007, he, he um, responded to a complaint that he hadn't paid his settlement with a woman who claimed he harassed or she harassed him or he harassed her at a Greyhound track. Whitaker issued a statement to the Kanawha County Circuit Court saying, I intend to pay the settlement, but I can't since I have no money. A little more than four years later. Crazy to think that now Whitaker says he wishes he tore up the ticket. I wish I tore it up. You know, desires, like we learned about last week, desires are intoxicating wine, is the Greek word. It's intoxicating wine. It's inebriating. It is impairing of our living. So people that feel these natural desires, and they are there. We all experiencing them. People that experience that, they end up saying, you know, I can handle it. 
Just like the drunk driver behind the wheel. I can handle this. You can't tell me I can't drive okay. Even though their judgment's impaired, their life is impaired, their thinking is impaired, I've got it all set. I've got it all down pat. And we in our lives think the same way. If we can be honest, sitting here this morning and there on the other side of the lens, we can be honest about this. We think the same way, even with our sinful desires. It's not going to affect me. It'll have no bearing on me. This will not change me one bit because I can handle it. I know I can handle it. And in the end, friends, we can't handle it. We're not made to handle our sinful desire on our own. And so as we've talked about this, there, we are always filled with something, the text says in Galatians 5. Always filled with something. Either it's the intoxicating desires of our sinful nature, or we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the two are oil and water. They just don't mix. But interestingly enough, they are produced by what we connect to. So let me give you two truths as we walk into our passage for this morning in Galatians chapter 5. Two truths. These are preparatory thoughts moving into it. So here's the first one. There's a difference. Write these down. There's a difference between works and fruit. There's a difference between works and fruit. So works, we would think about like in the factory. Any factory can create a machine that will produce a product. And whenever we talk about work, we talk about straining, striving, giving effort, just going at it as hard as we can. That's work. Fruit is different than work. Fruit is different than a machine producing a product. Fruit only comes from life. There's no machine that will create fruit. It only comes from life. And the life that we get from the vine produces fruit through the branch. So the branch doesn't work and strain and strive to create fruit. What the branch creates in fruit comes from the vine it's connected to. So to go on to this, in John 15, 4, Jesus himself said this. He goes, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Try it. Cut off a branch, stick it on the ground, see if an apple grows, see if cherries grow. He says, no No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. And then Jesus went on, he says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So that brings us to truth number two, and here's what it is, and then we'll walk right into Galatians chapter five. Truth number two is our fruit is determined by the vine we tap into. Fruit is determined by the vine we tap into. And this idea of fruit, this whole analogy that comes is nothing new even to the agricultural society of israel they would be very familiar with the whole thought of producing fruit they they worked on branches they worked on vines they understand the whole concept and so fruit is not only well understood it is an ultimate identifier here's a couple verses prepping up for galatians 5 matthew 7 
16, Jesus himself said, by your fruit, or by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Because you will understand, you will know what they are by their fruit. Now, you know, if I brought in a branch this morning, I, maybe you're better than I am on this. If I brought in a branch this morning and said, what kind of branch is this? That'd be tough to figure out. I struggle when we drive up the road to say, is that a cherry tree? Or is that an apple tree? Or is that a pear tree? At least I struggle now. In the fall, I'll tell you what they are. And you know why? Because there's fruit. Oh, that's an apple tree. I can tell that quickly from a cherry tree. Because it's identified by its fruit. And so Jesus says, you know, it's going to be hard to identify branches. However, you can know the kind of branch it is by the kind of fruit it produces. So our fruit is determined by the vine that we tap into. The fruit of our lives doesn't originate with us. It originates in the vine. So if we attach to the vine of our sinful desires, the fruit's going to be the 15 things we talked about last week. That's what comes from the sinful desires. But, you know, the Spirit doesn't produce sexual immorality. The Spirit doesn't produce impurity or idolatry. The Spirit doesn't produce hatred or selfish ambition or discord or dissensions and factions. That's from our sinful, natural desires, which become intoxicating. They become impairing to our lives and our judgment. So, what kind of fruit are we to produce? <clears throat> Here we go. Galatians 5. And I think now may be a great time for us to do something we haven't done for about nine months. How about we stand together? <clears throat> yes, how about we stand together? That way the blood will reach all portions of your body. You'll be a little bit more awake. How about we read this together? We haven't done this in eons. But how about we read this passage? It's about the fruit of the Spirit. We'll all read it in unison. It's Galatians 5. You know, and I just, I skipped a verse. It's Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Let's jump to that one on the screen. There we go. <clears throat> Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, isn't that true? What a different list than what we went through last week, huh? Now, you know, um, if you trust yourself to not fall asleep, you may be seated. If you don't trust yourself, you may remain standing. <clears throat> okay, we have a couple standards. Yes, we're with you. We're with you. Amen. We love the honesty. Love it. <clears throat> I want to talk through this week and the next couple, fruit of the Spirit. What should be coming out in us? What should be the product of our lives? And so here we go. In this passage, there's three first fruits that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to how to discern if these are genuine needs in our lives. 
So with me here, the first fruit of the Spirit is? Okay, thank you, you people on the right. It is so great that you're with me this morning. But let's go with the rest of the auditorium and even the balcony. The first fruit of the Spirit is? It's love. And I don't know if these are in an order of priority, but certainly this is a significant priority for us. And Jesus puts this as a priority in his ministry and in the scriptures. The first fruit of love. Now, in antiquity, the word meant to prefer and typically showed a preference for others. So here with love, the idea is it's not about me. We always would prefer in our sinful nature to desire things for us. Selfishness, self-gratification, recognition, self-pleasure. And so here in the text, though, he says, no, the idea of love is I prefer something for others. And I'm just going to tell you where this comes from. It does not come from our flesh. The only true source of genuine love comes from God. God is love, the text says. God is love. And if we're connected to Jesus, if we are abiding in Jesus, others become the focus of our love. Like, for instance, the text says, the scriptures say, we love him because he first loved us. Jesus is the source of love. The text also says, in this is love, not that we love him, but that he loved us and gave himself a ransom for many. And so love is the opposite of preference for us. The sinful nature longs for selfish ambition, sexual immorality, hatred, discord, divisions, factions. The sinful nature orbits around self and self-love and self-gratification. But those who bear the fruit of love show the love of Jesus through them, and it makes a difference in their relationships at home, at church, at work. It's a well-oiled machine. Even 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. If you want to read it later, you can. But he says this. He says, you know what? You have, you have great, great gifts. You're really talented. You really stick out at church. Good for you. If you don't have love, it's nothing. And he says another one, you have great knowledge, nice. But if you don't have love, you're nothing. And he says you can even do a lot of neat things. You can even seem to sacrifice, but it's not out of love. It counts as nothing. And so God creates this equation for love. I want to give it to you today. And here's what it is. Anything minus love equals nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Anything minus love equals nothing. Everything we do as followers of Jesus must be equated with love or it will be fruitless. Even Jesus said in his command in John 13, he says, you know what, this is the big deal. I'm going to give you a new command. I, I, it's love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another once again i'm not saying so grunt and strain and work so hard to pop the fruit of love out on you i'm saying it comes by being connected to the vine jesus christ comes by being a part 
of what flows out of him, it flows through you. Now, I just want to point out, we're going to talk a little bit more about at that at the end, but here's some signs. You're saying, how do I know, Pastor, if I'm supposed to be working on this love thing? I want to give you four signs. Check these out. If you feel the need for recognition more than recognizing others, remember it's preferring? If you walk in the room and you're like, man, I hope everyone sees me. I hope everyone sees what I do. I hope everyone connects with me. And if it's about you, rather than, man, let's lift up this person over here. If it's about self-recognition rather than others, love is a need. If your relationships boil down to, and this is a biggie, what you can get, what you can get monetarily or sexually or personally or promotionally, you know, if your relationships come down to, you know what, I can get something out of them, love is an issue for us. If others are a tool, if others are a tool for you, rather than you being a servant for them, and we know what we're talking about there for saying, I can use others I can get what I want from others instead of saying, what can I give to others? What do others need that I have? Then love is an issue. Or if you're fine with hatred, discord, divisions, factions, if you're like, I'm okay with that, as long as I get what I want, love is an issue. There's the fruit of love that needs to be produced in our lives. And it comes from Jesus. Let's talk about the next one. So there's love. Are you with me here this morning? There's love and then there's... Okay, all three of you. That was perfect. There's love and then there's... And why don't we get the third one out of the way while you're awake? There's love, joy, and peace. Those are the three we need to think about here this morning. But here's joy. And the idea of joy, by definition, joy is... Would you catch these next words? It's a settled state okay that's the big difference let me just stop the thought right now let me just let me just bust it up right now joy is not happiness Amen. you realize that joy is not happiness joy is a settled state happiness goes up and down oftentimes we say i'm not happy we're not talking about that we're talking about joy let me just can I mention these contrasts to you? Check these out. Happiness happens to you. It's the relationship, it's the scholarship, it's the unexpected money, it's the car, it's the raise. Oh, your team wins. That's happiness. Happiness comes from outside factors. Joy is produced in you. So happiness happens to you. Joy is produced in you. Joy doesn't rely on outside factors. Your team can lose, and you can still experience joy. It's a settled state in your spirit that comes despite your circumstances, and it doesn't spike or fall with outside circumstances. It's joy. Here's another one. Happiness is insecure. Happiness is insecure. Since it's relying on outside factors, you know what? It could go up, it could come down. Have you ever heard this one? If mama ain't happy, 
Okay, so you have heard that one. Okay, so we're on the same boat. You know what? I'm not happy. And you're not going to be happy either because I'm not happy. Joy's different. Joy doesn't go in this insecure route. Joy is confident. It's just unaffected by outside influencers. It's settled. Remember that settled state. It's settled in internal factors that don't change. And what those factors are that don't change have nothing to do with our world, nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with the news, has everything to do with Jesus Christ. So here's what doesn't change. It's based on God. It's based on his character. It's based on his word. It's based on what he's done for us. Those things are irrevocable. They're irreversible. They're unchangeable. That's where joy is found. Here's the third one. Happiness is defined by factors, the stock market, our report card, the weather. Joy is defined by truth. No matter what the factors are, the truth that God made us, loves us, died for us, is preparing a place for us right now, folks. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for them, he's preparing a place for you right now. And from everything I've heard about that place, it's even better than Traverse City, Michigan. He has something great for you on the other side. Truth defines joy. So here's some examples. Even in the Bible, there were some situations in ministry that paul said you know what man those people are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition or because they want to grow personally or get more money and here's what paul said he says you know what i'm going to be joyful because no matter what the gospel's being preached you know some people get upset because you know their kids are driving them crazy man the house is crazy However, joy doesn't go up and down with the state of our kids. We can be joyful that God has blessed us with kids. Joy is not dependent upon, I'm tired of my job. It's not a big enough paycheck. They don't recognize me for who I am. Joy can be had for having the gift of a job. Some people look at their past sins and say, oh, I can't be happy. Look at what I've done. Look at my life. Look at the problems. Look at the failures. Joy can be had because we're forgiven. Remember those those unsettled things, the things that do not change. We can find joy. Here's, Here's how we know that we need to dig deeper on this issue. Signs you need to dig deeper on joy Can I just mention them to you? And can I just say, as I read these, I I feel these. So here we go. Sign that you need to dig deeper on this issue. Here's the first one. If you see your mood change with circumstances. Ouch. I just say, if we did a head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning... Does your mood change with circumstances? You know, raise your hand. 
okay, it should be all of us. That's what we do. I don't like this. And therefore, I need to emote to you my anger, my frustration, my bitterness. I'm so sick of this, and you need to be experiencing it too. You know, our mood changes with our circumstances. And that's a sign, you know what? Joy is not reigning supreme in our lives. Here's another one. You buy into the philosophy, and I've heard this over and over, that God wants you happy. Well, God wants something more stable than that. He's not our genie in a bottle. He's not, you know, if you rub this and make wishes, I just grant them. God wants to produce joy in your life. And so this whole philosophy, God wants me happy. No, God wants you holy. God wants you to experience joy, and it's not going to come from your world, from your circumstances. It's going to come from Him. Here's another one. If you put pressure on others to make you happy, and if they don't, you're going to treat them bad. You don't make me happy? Talk to the hand. You don't fulfill my wishes? I've had enough of you. You're written off my list until you turn around and start making me happy. That's a sign we need to dig deeper. Here's another sign. If we make excuses for our attitude based on our circumstances, am I just like jumping on toes this morning? Because I'm jumping on my own. If we make excuses, you know, you want to know why I'm not happy? Because they made me angry. Excuse. Total excuse. God has given us every reason to be joyful by things that don't change. And this joy is a product of God's Spirit. Let me show you these two verses. Write them down. 1 Thessalonians 1.6. This is a beauty. He says, For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Does not that sound like this passage here that we're talking about? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. In the midst of severe suffering, joy from the Holy Spirit. Here's another one, Romans 14, 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating, it's not a matter of drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what he gives us, is joy in this world. No matter your circumstances, here's what John Ortberg says. He said, joy in this world is always in spite of something. It's always in spite of something. That's true joy. Here's the third one. Love, joy, are you with me this morning? Is it going to be more than three people? Peace. peace. There we go. Love, joy, and peace. Peace. We need to talk about this. Turn on the news. Turn on the news, and you're going to see the opposite. The peace means wholeness. It means undisturbed. It's a calm. In the midst of of the challenge. Friends, if we look at our world, sometimes if we look at our circumstances, 
we feel this unsettledness, this division. We feel very disturbed about what's going on. And the fruit of peace is in place of factions. It's in place of divisions. It's in place of discord. It's in place of anxiety. It's in place of fear. Everything that would bring instability and insecurity and troubled feelings from troubled relationships, the fruit of peace comes from our abiding in the vine of Jesus and its wholeness. We're put together. We're not disturbed. We are at peace. That's the fruit of peace. Here's some signs we need to dig deeper on it. If we don't have high concern for divisions, factions, discord, or hatred. You know, or if we're satisfied with alienation, I'm fine with bad relationships. I'm fine with discord as long as I get what I want. Or if we don't biblically strive for peace in our relationships. Or if we're preoccupied with our problems, it's all that goes through our mind. Or if we transfer our fears or concerns or problems to another. Like it's not enough that I feel this. They need to feel this. They need to realize what I'm going through. They need to feel the lack of peace too. We need to dig down on this. Because Jesus himself said, in John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not the peace that the world gives. They don't have it. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's peace that Jesus gives. Now can I just remind us, we're not talking about works. I'm not asking you this morning like, work hard, strive, struggle, and out pops peace. We don't produce the fruit of the Spirit by the flesh. We produce it by attaching to the vine. That's the only way it's going to come. It's not a work. It's life that comes from another. It comes from Jesus. To produce fruit, it's not a matter of your effort, it's a matter of your connection. So the key is be attached to the vine. Fruit is the byproduct of your connection to the vine. So I just want to ask a question here this morning as we finish up. How is your connection to Jesus? Can we be open? How is your connection to Jesus? So there's two connections we need to talk about. The first one is the main connection, without which there is no other connection, and it's the connection of the cross. That's where the ultimate connection happens. When we come to grips with our sinfulness, and we understand my sin has a a penalty from God, but then we realize that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment of God for me, for my wrong. We believe that, we embrace it, and then we say, 
God, I know I've sinned. I know my life has done so many things against you. I know that I deserve your punishment, but I know that you punished Jesus for my wrong. God, forgive me, please. I give my life to you. I'm done with leading it on my own. I give my life to you. Forgive me. Make me your child. Friends, that's the first connection. Do you have that connection? Because if you don't, there is no other connection. Nothing else will help. The first connection is the cross. Here's, this, here's the other connection. It's our everyday, regular connection to Jesus. <clears throat> and here's what we need to do. In order to work on love and joy and peace, these regular connections come through worship. Every day it comes through a Bible connection. It comes through prayer and it comes through other believers. And I, I wish I could say, you know, here's the three quick shortcuts to having love, joy, and peace, always. There is no shortcut, folks. It's from a connection to Jesus Christ where we put to death the desires of our flesh and we become filled with him, filled with his spirit that produces fruit in our lives. So I want to I give you a couple things. And to give these to you, why don't you stand with me because we're going to make some decisions together as a group here this morning. Here's something I want you to think about. Number one, <clears throat> pick out a fruit that you need to work on. Now, I know we all have to work on them. But pick one out or pick two out. Or you know, you may say, I'm over for 3 this morning. I'm picking all three. Well, pick them out. Here's number two. Spend time each day, each day, with some scripture about that fruit. You're going to find a lot of verses about love, about joy and about peace in the Bible. Focus on those. And you know what you can do? You can even go to the Bible app and just punch in love. You're going to find devotionals about that. Or joy, there'll be devotionals about that. Or peace, you'll find devotionals about that. But we need to be attached to the vine. Let's get Scripture into our life every day about one of those things. And then we need to pray because you know what? You're not going to produce this fruit on your own. You need to talk to God every day and ask for his spirit to work in your life. Ask for him to produce fruit through you. And then I would say connect with other believers and open up. Say, you know what? Here's a fruit I need to work on is joy. I struggle with it. Here's evidence of it. I'm working through this. Let's connect on that. These are ways we can stay connected to the vine because we will not produce the fruit otherwise. So spend time each day studying Scripture for that. Pray for God's help to display the fruit. Surround yourself with people and even with songs that help. And so here we go. Close your eyes with me, would you? What's the fruit you need to work on today? Love, joy, peace. If you wonder, you can ask people around you. They'll tell you. Love, joy, or peace. Would you identify it? I want you to talk to God about it right now. 
confess it to him. He already knows. It's a struggle with our flesh. Confess it to him. And I want you to make a commitment today. I'm going to connect in the vine about this to produce this fruit. Would you make a decision? Would you talk to God right now? Would you express your need and make a commitment? Do it right now, even in the silence. Open up to God right now. Father, we've already seen the fruit we can produce on our own, and it's the flesh. And it stinks. God, we want your fruit produced in all of us. And it only comes from being connected to you. God, work through us. The effort doesn't come from the branch, God. It comes from the vine. Work through us. And enable us in this attachment to produce things we never could before. And may it be pleasing fruit for others' benefit. And for your glory. Thank you for the connection to the vine that comes through Jesus Christ on the cross. We claim it. We love it. We're thankful for it. God, make us different because of our connection. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all you space said, we say amen to that. You know, May that be your connection this week. May it make a difference in your life this week. And I just want to say as you go, be filled. Be filled. And let others see it. God bless your day. God bless your special day tomorrow as we remember those who've given their life. And we'll see you in the foyer. Take care.